Namaste. He had to be one sect of Christianity, had to baptize Gandhi because they could not deal with the fact that he will not go to heaven according to Old or New Testament or whatever. There is some value in figuring out, putting together some sort of project to figure out when did the emphasis on the need for conversion happen? In the manner in which Christianity and Islam approached it. See, conversion through a dialogue process is I'm going from place to place, I'm speaking and people oh, are... People. That's been part of the Indian civilization all the time. So people accept what I say yes. and, and, they and, they, and they, they, they become Buddha my followers. It is me spreading knowledge rather than seeking to convert. So there is that underlying fundamental difference. I mean, it may look as if somebody is getting converted. It may look as if a Buddhist has become a Vedic following the Adi Shankara. But the intent is to demystify. It's a, it's a, it's a knowledge-oriented process. They're simply, it's not the religion, religion that they're following. They're simply following a guru. It, it, no, I'm, I'm making a slight difference here. It is not the desire to seek you to... I mean, it's a desire to say, I am right and what you are saying is not right. That is the primary driver. In Islam and Christianity? No, no, no. I am talking about Indian tradition. Um, Shankara. Okay. Shankara is saying that this is Advaita is right. And that is what you are saying is not right. And so it is a debate over who is more right. The driver for the debate is to to do, to test yourself, to test your theory, to test your hypothesis, test your knowledge against somebody else's knowledge to see, can there be a flaw in what I am saying? Sure. Therefore, if one can't find the flaw in the other and the other can find flaw in the first, because the pursuit was of truth and it was not holding on dogmatically to what you have, is that you will find that people will change. Because there was the pursuit of truth, the pursuit of knowledge was the essential feature of the Indian character. And therefore, they would superficially look like conversion. Superficially, it will look like Adi Shankara because that is a term that gets used in English conversation. They say Adi Shankara went through India and converted and reconverted people back to Hindus. Yeah, when they have to deride, especially new Buddhists, when they have to even bash. Even hardcore Hindu right-wing fellows use the exact same language. That, that convert, reconverted back to Hinduism. See, these are failings of the language. It's not, and when you look at it superficially, it does look like that. It, 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 I mean, you can, if you say, what is conversion, it, it fulfills the tick marks for conversion. That conversion, but it's especially when right-wing says, says that, just wanted to add here is, is a failing to see Buddhism as its own. Basically, Buddha was not trying, not ever trying to create a new religion or a new, he was, it was basically just his ideas, his experience and he's simply sharing it. So, so sharing and that's that possibly part. what Shankaracharya is also doing. Correct, correct. They have different perspectives. Buddha is addressing suffering. So, absolutely. So, they are these, that's the approach that you have. So, the reason why I brought it up is to make the distinction between the terms conversion because we tend to use them so evenly across the board. Is that what are driving the process in the Indian subcontinent was a different desire, a different need. What I am not sure and, and I suspect that that was the global driver. 
at some time. It keeps coming back to haunt me that our civilization has a global. I mean, all our scriptures don't talk, don't limit themselves to a geography yeah, or, to a of, or to a set of people. So they are sort of they cut across geographies. Um, now, the first time, so when I look at the Semitic faiths, when you look at Abraham and Judaism, Judaism says. It is for that tribe. It is for those people. They are not seeking conversion. In fact, there is, you cannot convert to Judaism. So it is basically just a club that you can be born into. But otherwise, if you are not born into it, too bad. So Judaism as a Semitic faith and it the others are progressions from here. But as a Semitic faith is very close. And it is not open to anybody. And it is... You are either born into it or you are not. Something happens as you become Christian is that the need for conversion steps in. So I am not sure where in any biblical scripture uh, the process, yes, because when, when Christ is doing it, I am assuming that he is having conversations just like Buddha or Adi Shankara are having. But somewhere after Christ, because after Christ it disappears for 300, 400 years and then it sort of picks up once again. Because until that time, uh, until the Romans adopt Christianity, it essentially is conversations, persuasion, getting people to experience things, getting people to experience mystical things, etc. So all of Bible is based on that. Something snaps or something changes. Uh, and I have never been able to put a finger on it. Maybe it's just politics. Maybe it's just political domination. Could be. And that's possibly the idea of Christianity post it enters Rome. But 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 let's see, take that conversation further. So something changes where they say, so they sort of gather because all information is all over the place. So they, there's a gathering of many gospels and a Bible is created of some sort where some gospels are rejected and so this happens under Constantine in 400 odd AD. And then there is this from that period onwards and I don't know where it happens but until the coming into until the birth of the prophet or the coming into existence of Islam you will see if you look at that period of time is that Force begins to be used to get convert. This whole idea that you will go to hell if you don't follow comes into existence. So the many features that you attribute to what you were describing in terms of an Islamic context actually happen in that period, start in that period. And that is where they come up with the I think there was blasphemy in the past, but here they come up with blasphemy or heresy. And this is where you start killing for blasphemy or heresy. I don't think in the uh, in the Judean context, whether they are killing. I think firstly, the, the idea of killing a non-believer or something, I think comes from the Old Testament. I don't know enough about this, but uh, I think from whatever so I have heard, it comes from there. But so, the Israelis, the Jews actually just sort of ignore it. You know, this is all 
scripture which is irrelevant sure. today. That's why I'm saying I'm not sure where it comes because Judaism can't have conversion. So there's no, I mean, the the instruction in but Judaism blasphemy is... Blasphemy possibly is not for the outsider, but for the people inside. For the people inside. So it's not, the, because they are not seeking to convert. And they are not seeking to kill anybody who is not. Because this is for a close tribe. This is for Abraham's tribe. Blasphemy is for within, but um, okay. People and, and, and for these people, the instruction is, you shall not follow false gods. Um... And so, if you see the Ten Commandments movie, you'll see how they resurrect a golden calf. It's there in the Bible, but movies are easier to follow. So, they put together a golden calf and Moses essentially destroys it. I don't think he kills the people. He destroys the calf, but he doesn't kill the people. So, there is a certain approach to how do you deal with false gods in Judaism and it is not killing. When you come to this period of 400 to 480 to, uh, to I would say 650 AD, which is where uh, the prophet is born, in that period and then beyond, so it continues in Christianity, is that there is this onslaught on if you pick a false god. So what I was describing is this whole desire for conversion. Uh, and use of force and to demonize the other and this is now going beyond the tribe it's actually how do you get these people to accept and how do you sort of and therefore if you are also religious you mix the your inherent desire as a conqueror to conquer with your desire to force conversion with the opportunity for uh, loot, rape and pillage. So all these things come together and so then you sort of start executing these. So in, in one space you justify it as a religious act. In, to motivate your troops you will describe it as an opportunity. Some to people did. I know we have had this conversation around Kef and uh, Temur. Temur, yeah. Temur Lame. I did see a video by this Saudi guy, Sunni, Muslim and you know how he hated him because most of the people in the world that he killed was actually Muslims. So but, so there are few of them for sure um, and equally there have been fair bit of motivations among a very large proportion of them who actually are, are basically on a jihad. So, 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 so what, what happens is you, as a ruler, what you do is you, just like you'll find our political, you motivate people with what can motivate them and you try and go for the but easiest not, thing. No, no. So, see, this is where I tend to differ. The point is not ruling at all. The point is not becoming a good emperor. The point beyond the point is not even to have wealth. Aurangzeb died uh, in penury. Literally, he wasted all the money simply trying to in control the nation so that he would convert everybody. So, that is one, one prominent example of... We will not argue about we'll it endlessly, about but Tipu Sultan was in the same category. But there, there I have a <laughs> distinction. The question is, is lust for wealth greater or the lust for power is greater? 
I'm not sure if it's lust for either actually, because Aurangzeb was possibly a, a a person who was who would live in frugality. He would actually, yeah, yeah. But his lust for his lust for maybe I'm not even sure if it is power for the sake of power. My reading is, or from what I've gathered, is basically it's jihad. It's the so lust see, for ensuring that Islam is established. That is his only motivation. It is not money. It is not power. It may be true for him. It need not be true for many other conquerors. I'm sure. It probably wasn't true for so, Babur, for example, when he came in possible. Because he got chased off by another Muslim. So, <laughs> Babur's story is very interesting. So, you have this use of force and demonization of the other that becomes an active... Remember that this is used mostly against their own people, what they describe as pagans in the Christian times. So the onslaught on the pagans by the Christians is, is very hard. Yes, it's not their own people by any stretch of imagination. Whose own people? Are, it could be your brother. Aurangzeb was imprisoning his father and killing his brother. Yes, and own people ka definition. No, is own people. Own people is geographical. So no, it's not. Know. You're not invading another land to do no, this. You are. You are hammering your own chaps. Yeah, I don't know who is own, right? For the for the Brits, the French are not own. The Germans no, are no, not. No, but the Brits for the Brits, the Brits are own. No? Those who live on Great Brit on Britannia are their, their own. sense of identity of who they are is is defined now by this cult of Christianity or later Islam, so, the Ummah, the so, you know so, who. So, so let's look at Britain. Britain massively persecuted the or basically they. There was an onslaught against the pagans. It continues. Uh, but, but there was an onslaught against paganism and heresy. So this was, if we, if we look at it in an unemotional manner, if you look at just observe, observing that this is history without giving it any flavor, any other flavor, that this is what happened. I am not sympathetic and when I make those statements, I have no sympathy. I'm, it's just an observation. There is no justification involved over there. So then you come to, in that backdrop, you have Islam rises and uses the same principles. Accentuates it. No, no. Whether accentuate or is more effective is a, uh, with, with what they are doing, with their approach. I would tend to think that medieval Christianity was way more brutal than Islam was. Uh, and over a period of time, it changes. It is fairly possible that despite what is there, that change might happen for everybody. For Islam as well, hopefully in the future. The only argument this I, that I keep hearing is, oh, change must happen from within. I don't understand all of this. You know, you allow them to do whatever nonsense they want to do and wait and watch while they are hammering us. That doesn't work. Remember that... It's not allowing you or nobody to allow. The change will happen. It's a process of time. If it is to happen, we're not sure if it will happen. We don't. So, whether, 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 whether it happens or not, that is a process of time. What you should not do is cheat yourself or fool yourself into uh, giving, I mean, giving somebody benefit of doubt is too weak a term. But, but essentially to drop your guard in a manner that exposes you to assault. 
Now that assault, so that dropping of the guard is where the problem is. That is where when you, when you, and I can feel some of the same sense of when you say discrimination for the Hindus, it is you bend backwards so much that in bending backwards you, <laughs> you crush the guys on your side who are uh, so that is where the problem lies and that's where you need to sort of push back saying I'm not saying that go and persecute the other side but don't crush me in in, the, in your quest for political enterprise at my end what I need to do given what or, or at our end, what we need to do, given the fact that we are put under so much historical sort of layers, is to bring back some of what we seem to have forgotten. It, we, we, our, our technology.